Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I believe that with all my heart. Some of y'all just sung about your future. You just sung about what's fixing to happen to you for long. Praise God. Well, it's wonderful to be a child of God, isn't it? To know Him and the free pardon of sin. To know that our, our old nature has been eradicated. We're born of Him. Thank God. Let's turn to the Song of Solomon, if you would, tonight. Let's uh, look a little bit, maybe, at our future. This is quite a honeymoon we're into, isn't it? This is quite a honeymoon. Interesting. Very interesting. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field and let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early in the vineyards and let us see if the vine flourish. They're very attentive, very important about what's going on on the earth. Didn't mention cherubims, seraphims, zunes, heavenly gates, but it's all about what's going on on the earth. Whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth, there will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates, more than one, are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. And may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful presence we've sensed already here tonight. We could dismiss right now and say, it was worth every effort to be able to be here in the house of God. But somehow we just believe you've got some more good things in store for us. So we believe we'll hang around a little bit longer just to see what you got on your heart. We count it such a privilege and an honor to be able to go to church, to be a part of a message to where we can hear from the very heart of God himself. We don't have to visit some headquarters somewhere, some bishop, some pontificate somewhere, some excellent man in his position and him email our sermon or tell us what we should or should not preach. But we're thankful that we are in fellowship and in association with men of God around the world who hear from heaven every week. We count that such an honor, Lord. Speak to us tonight from your word, would you, Father? We love you with all of our hearts. Bless us together now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Amen. Brother Chris Long. Oh, there you are. God bless you, brother. Brother and sister Long. Glad to have him in service with us tonight. The millennium is going to give us a taste of what life would have been like if Adam would not have forfeited the book of life, had he not sinned and brought the judgment upon the earth, it will also give us a view of what it would be like under the judicial reign of the Lord Jesus. According to Isaiah 2, Zechariah 8, Haggai 2, Zechariah 14, Ezekiel 38, 
Ezekiel 44 through 48. We will get a view of what it would be like to have a real king in justice. We know that Brother Brandon made a statement that would seem peculiar in a world of democracies. And that was that God's way was a godly king. Well, if that was God's way, then that's the right way, of course. And yet we know that it'll never happen until the millennium. It will be a different kingdom that has ever been on the earth, only exemplified for a short span of time in the Garden of Eden with just two people that were there. But it will be taken back like it was to where the animals will be changed. The animals will be at peace with one another. The animals will be at peace with man. There will be one global language. There will be one global worship. There will be one mighty king with inferior kings under him as magistrates, also kings of the nations, which will rule and govern their nations based upon the government of the Lord Jesus. There will also be a temple. It will be a massive temple. It will be actually a temple city. And the throne will be in the midst of that temple. So the Lord Jesus will rule from the temple. Now remember the eighth day has no temple. But the millennium does. It will be built by Jesus himself and those that he allows to help him. Hopefully we're part of that. Under the leadership of the Lord Jesus, the world will still be divided into nations. And Israel will be given the preeminent position in the kingdom. But the Gentiles will be under their nations and actually still under their kings. In the millennium temple, Jesus will be able to be worshipped and governed from the temple. The only one like it that's ever been. Different kings of the earth have tried to be king-priest, but it never worked out. They desired to be the head of religion and also the head of the monarchy. Now we know even the Queen of England to this day is the head of the Church of England. But she's also the monarch of, of the Britain and Britain colonies and all of that. But in the eyes of God, she's not the head of the church. I don't care what England says. She might be the head of the Church of England, but she ain't the head of the Church of the Living God. Because that's the Lord Jesus himself. But this position is reserved for the millennium only when the son of David will be able to walk into this place. But now we know that Satan is always trying to mimic and be like God. Now he can't be like God in the sense of being a creator. He cannot create a universe. He cannot create stars, worlds, any of those things. He just can't do it. I like to rub it in on him sometimes just to remind him to let him know he couldn't make a flea if his life depended on it. 
He can't make a peach. He couldn't make an apple. can't make a grape. He can make havoc. He can make a mess. He can make a lie. But he can't make life. That's right. But because the Lord Jesus sets his heart towards certain things. The Lord Jesus wanted a church. So the devil decided he must have a church as well. You see, he's eat up with jealousy. He hates God. He despises everything that there is to do with God and righteousness. And he's found one of the best ways to come against God in hatred is to mimic God in the way that God does things. Now, you'll never find the devil uh, standing on a street corner drinking a fifth of whiskey. The devil don't drink. He talks people into doing it. He never touches the stuff. He knows better. Right, you'll never find him chewing tobacco and ambeer running out of his mouth. Uh, the devil just don't do that sort of thing. The devil don't rob banks. He don't do many of those things. He talks people into doing those things, but the devil don't do it. The devil is a very epitome of a religious being that fell from the presence of God. So he don't do any of that stuff at all out here in the world that he has these people out here to do. But the devil's desire is to be like God. The devil would never want to be a drunk standing on the side of, a, of the corner somewhere that couldn't even stand up, didn't even know what his name was. You'll never find the devil shooting anything into his veins. If he had veins, he's got better sense than that. It's idiots that he talks into doing such stuff. The devil's not a Trinitarian. The devil knows there ain't three gods. It's just those idiots that are religious that he talks into believing there's three gods. Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Well, y'all's amens quit on me. What happened? You see, the devil will never wind up doing many of these types of things because it does not, it's not what he wants, it's not what he desires. But his greatest desire is to be like God, to sit in the sides of the north, which is the flank of the middle. So his desire is to be on the sides of the north, to have a tabernacle, to have a people, to have a church. So he's able to read in the scripture and able to see that there is going to be a millennium. Now let me say right up front, I do not understand how the devil thinks. I know he knows what's going to happen to him at the end of the tribulation. I know he knows what's going to happen at the end of the battle of Armageddon and what's going to happen at, at the end of the thousand year reign. Whether or not he thinks he will finally have enough power to usurp over God or he simply does not believe what God says, I don't have a clue. But all I know is he's got some kind a desire to hang in there. I will grant him that. God can beat the far out of him. Preachers tear him down. They call him everything that you can imagine. He still comes right back. Don't pay a bit more attention to it than nothing. You've called him a liar ever since you've been a Christian. You've hit him right in the mouth, locked him up on the side of the head. You've kicked him in the gut. You've stomped his toes. You know what I'm saying when I say it metaphorically. And he keeps coming right back. He's there every day to bother you, every day to lie to you. You whip him with a word and he comes right back. He's determined. But his determination ain't going to do him no good because God's going to destroy him. That's right. 
But he knows that the millennium. Now, I spoke to you last weekend about it. That actually the scripture speaks more about the millennium than it does the first coming of the Lord Jesus. It speaks more about the millennium than it does the second coming of the Lord Jesus. The scripture speaks more about the millennium than it actually does the eighth day. Which I find to be phenomenal because all of those things are so tremendous. But there's something about the millennium. The seventh day, the dawning of the seventh morning being restored. That is so close to the very heart of Adonai. That he wanted to express it somehow in the scripture. And let man be able to ponder over it and think about it. So I, I think we should do that, don't you? I consider it a great honor, treat if you wish to call it that. From the Lord that he would enlighten us about such a wonderful event. So we know then that God will have a millennium temple. That will be under the reign of Jesus. As he said, promising David Psalms 132. Was it 132, 11? That he said, of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Again, Psalms 2 and in several different places that he prophesied about it. But yet the devil also wants a temple. And will he get one? He will. Now, God wants a literal temple in the millennium. Which will testify backwards of what the death of the Lord Jesus did at Calvary. And the millennium will simply be pointing back to what God did and the success. Oh, you say, what in the world will we need that for? Well, I ask you, why do you take communion? People have taken communion for 2,000 years. Why do we do it? In memorial of the success of Calvary. So in the millennium, there will be all of these rituals, all of these things that will be taking place from new moon to Sabbath and so on. What for? In commemoration of the success of what Calvary was able to do. Amen. Now we know that actually the Levites will be given this special place and it comes from the lineage of Zadok. Actually, Zadok, Phineas come from this lineage. So it's from the lineage of Phineas and Zadok because of the righteous holy stand and the Levitical tribe is divided into different sons. But it's given to the sons of Zadok. So God is very particular about who will even minister in the millennium. And then we know then that Satan looks at this and he's saying, well, if God wants a temple, then I want one. Well, you say, where will he get it? Tribulation period. Let's take a little journey, shall we? Now, we got a little slight diversion here tonight before we go back into the honeymoon. We'd like to be able to expose a little bit about the devil and what's fixing to take place in the very near future. Now, the tribulation temple will be actually built, which will be the third temple. The first one, of course, was built by Solomon, which was destroyed by the Babylonians. Or what was it? Somebody jar my memory, 586 B.C., I think. And then whenever it come back, built again from the foundation by Zerubbabel, then it was built and after the coming back from the 70 years started rebuilding it again then it stood until Herod the Great come. Now Herod the Great of course was a tetrarch and he wanted to try to impress the Jews. So what he wanted to do was expand, embellish and redesign the temple that was already there. Now he did not build a new one but he simply expanded that temple on the temple mount and made it quite, quite splendor quite glorious so he expanded actually the second temple 
This was the temple that the Lord Jesus was actually dedicated in as a little boy on the eighth day of his natural existence on the earth. It was also the temple that the Lord Jesus was in at the age of 12 when his mother, uh, so-called, come and found him teaching uh, of the great scribes and so on. It was also the same temple that he threw out the money changers and those that sold doves. So this was the second temple which stood until 70 AD, which was destroyed by the Romans, Titus the Great General. Now that was the second temple. But there will be a third temple which will be rebuilt in the time of the tribulation. Now many of you I'm sure already keep up with some of the things about the Jews and the rabbis saying this and that and the other and what they're doing. And I find it quite interesting myself because it shows us the urgency and the closeness of the hour. Now we know that the the devil will have such a short time when the rapture is over that there must be preparation and things going on right now at the end of the church age that will actually phase right into the tribulation period. Because the 70th week of Daniel, half of it being fulfilled and there's only three and a half years left according to what the prophet taught us. So he will only have three and a half years by which he will be able to bring all this seemingly global peace and a great union between Arabs and and Israel and all the Gentiles and so on. So everything must be together. Now the deceitful part about it is that there are these Jews that are in Israel and New York and different places and they have these burdens on their heart to be able to rebuild the temple. Temple Institute, you can go to different websites and find them. Really interesting one there. If you go to templeinstitute.org, you're able to go and find out pictures of all these different instruments that they've rebuilt and find the priest's garments which are already made. You can find many of these things that are already there and waiting. Praise the Lord. Already there and waiting. The architectural plans already done. As a matter of fact, part of the parts of the temple are already pre-made and can be put together within a matter of months. And once they get their permission, it's alluded to and seems as if though from some of the writers that I've read that they will actually send up a temporary tent and start the sacrifice and then build the permanent structure over the top of it. But the Jews, for the most part, who are part of this move with sincerity and all that they believe, but in all reality, they are building a house for the devil. Now, no doubt there may be some 144,000 that will come out of that move because they're really sincere, no doubt they are, and they want to do something for God and they believe they are doing something for God. But you can imagine now because the Dome of the Rock sits there supposedly where the original temple sat. Well, we don't know exactly where that it was. I know from the time of the first and second temple there were eyewitnesses which were still alive and they were able to pinpoint to where by written records also to where that the original altar was. It's very, very important to God because they couldn't just offer a burnt offering anywhere. It had to be in the place that was consecrated to the name of Yashim Adonai. 
So it was very, very important to them. So it couldn't be any, many, mighty, mo, which one will we go? That's the way us Gentiles think. But to them, it was very important, so they had to have the real spot. So right now, they don't know. They know the rock is there, supposedly, where Muhammad ascends into heaven, which is a bunch of nonsense anyway. And, but they don't know, really know exactly where it's at. So the theologians, the rabbis, they debate back and forth. How can we build the temple when the dome of the rock is standing there? And then others say, oh, no, 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 that's the wrong place. It's actually north of there. And you can actually build the third temple in the same court. And both of them could stand at the same time. But, you know, I'm not really going to focus so much on that. Is that what the world will need will be this supernatural superman that will be able to bring peace into the troubled Middle East. Now, whoever will be able to do this, to work this out, to where the Jews will actually be able to build their temple, and they may already have a good idea where it's at as far as the underlying part, because of the walls that's underneath it, the rocks they've already found, and the foundations and so on. But yet, you know, they're kind of keeping quiet about it, and it just makes you wonder what they do know, what they don't know. The Arabs, of course, accusing them of spraying chemicals under the dome of the rock, because the dome of the rock, now the foundation is eroding and the dome of the rock is hanging over like a cave when the bottom part is actually falling out so the Arabs are accusing the Jews of eating out the foundation which they probably would do that anyway uh, but you know if that thing falls and collapses then uh, all of a sudden this abomination of desolation is gone who knows exactly how it will come about but if there were to be a man that would be able to stand with such a supernatural anointing that would be able to bring what would seem like global world peace what presidents had not been able to do what premiers had not been able to do what prime ministers had not been able to do and actually allow the Arabs and the Jews to be able to worship together or work out and barter some type of deal you talking about a man And the poor ignoramuses will follow him. Now, the tribulation temple will originally be built on the premise of the restoration to Adonai. It will be dedicated to Yahweh. It will be built on the premise of the Torah. They are so particular in how they make these instruments. Do you understand? For the first time since 70 AD, the anointing oil that anointed the priest has been concocted and compounded together. Getting together the red heifer, every snuffer and every piece of, uh, of instrument and all gold and silver and copper, every bit of it laying right there. Are they sincere? No doubt they are. You can imagine when Moses and Elijah stands in front of that temple and said, this is a bunch of nonsense. They're going to be well received, aren't they? Now think of it, they will do it then under the name of Yahweh. It will be consecrated. You know that the, the whole nation of Israel is considered unclean until they're able to find a red heifer. So genetically, by DNA and all this, they've been working on the red heifer for years and years. Thought they found one a few years ago in Texas. And they've got to scan that entire animal to see if there's a white, a black, or a gray hair. 
Can you imagine scanning a whole cow? But that's how particular and minute that it is. If there's one black hair on there, it cannot be you. I'll tell you what, I about had a spell when I read that because I thought if they're that particular, how much more particular was Almighty God? And whenever they look at my lamb, it ain't no red heifer, but when they looked at my lamb and your lamb, there was not one spot, not one blemish, not one error. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus he was perfect can you imagine since 70 AD they've been tossed around the world they have longed for a temple an altar an ephod a priest a teraphim where they could have peace with God. And all of a sudden in the tribulation period, a supernatural seemingly event will take place and they will be allowed to build their temple. They're not building it to the devil no more than people build organizations to the devil. What Baptist church have you ever seen whenever you pass by a construction sign? And it's a church of Christ, church of God, Nazarene, whatever more. You don't stand over there. The church of God incorporated into the devil's kingdom. We're building this in the name of the Baptist for the devil so we can take people straight to hell. Never. Why? Because they don't believe they're doing that. Neither were these Jews when they go to putting all this together. Now all the workings of the mechanics, many, many of those mechanics are being worked right now. Just like you're sitting here tonight getting more mechanics for the rapture. Oh, you say, I'll tell you one thing. I go to church sometimes. I don't think I'm doing no good. You're getting some snuffers. You're getting some oil. You're getting a little bit of this and a cup. And you're getting a little bit of that. A little bit of copper. A little bit of brass. A little bit of gold. A little bit of silver. You wait till the fire hits it. One day you'll appreciate some of these services. Now you imagine that they will resume their animal sacrifice. Now the only piece of furniture that God mentions in this temple in the tribulation period. They will have, no, as far as all that, the blasphemous act that will be actually God refers to so much of the curse that makes this antichrist will be the altar of sacrifice. Now the menorah of course has nothing to do with the blood and the altar of the incense has nothing to do with the blood but whenever they begin to resume this animal sacrifice upon the altar it will be that they are speaking, denouncing totally absolute blasphemous acts against the Lamb of God. Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come which is Rome and destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with the flood and unto the end of the war desolations are determined I understand this is prophetic language and it's a little hard to understand and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week 
he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the ever spreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So after this covenant is made with the Jews, it won't last very long at all, till he will break this covenant and then he will do the switcheroo. To where that it is no longer the house of Adonai. Lord children. Whichever Pope it is. Will climb up on the throne. And the head demon. Which is living inside that Pope. Satan isn't everywhere at one time. So he's waiting on the rapture to take place to get rid of you. As long as you're here, he's got to accuse you up there. So he can't be at both places at the same time. He ain't God. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent, omnipotent. He, he just can't do it. So he's either got to be in heaven lying on you or bend down on the earth from the Pope. And he said, shoot, I can't do both of them at the same time. God, how do you do that? How are you and Donnie and how are you and Rob and how are you and Zimbabwe? How are you around the world all at the same time? I wish I could do that. So the head demon gets inside, goes to leading up to the mechanics. And when the bride goes up, the devil is cast out. Notice Daniel chapter 11, verse 21. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom and he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Oh my. And with the arms of a flood they shall be overthrown from before him and he shall be broke and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. Paul picks it up in 2 Thessalonians 2 that no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Which Brother Bram, when he reads this in the seals, he said that's Judas. Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that as he as God set us in the temple of God. Now remember, it's going to be built and dedicated to God. So he will move in to the third temple in the tribulation period and say, your Messiah has arrived. I am here. I'm the real son of David. And all the world will go after him. Except for the 144,000 and Moses and Elijah. And some tribulation saints and the Gentiles that'll be, that'll be saved. They'll have to give their lives. Notice all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God set us in the temple of God showing himself that he is God for the first time in his existence. He now has a throne. Literally a throne on the earth. And it's where? In the temple of God. In 
the church ages, he was in the churches. In the church ages, through the priest, through this and that and the other. But now, now, he sewed it up with the Jews in this temple dedicated to Adonai. Mama, mama. And you're enjoying whatever saints eat in glorified bodies in the marriage supper of the Lamb. <laughs> Let me read this to you. I found this very interesting. This is the title of the Pope. His full title, rarely used, is His Holiness Francis, Bishop of Rome, Vicar of Jesus Christ, successor of the Prince of the Apostles, which is Peter. Peter, if he could say, yeah, he said, you ain't in my ranks, boy. Get that dress off. Dress like a man. Prince of the apostles, supreme pontiff of the universal church. Primate, which doesn't mean a monkey. It actually does mean a monkey, but in this particular application, it's the first one in order of hierarchy. Primate of Italy. I kind of thought that was, you know, a little bit. No pun intended. Primate of Italy, Archbishop and Metropolitan of the Roman province. And I thought Donald Lee Reagan Jr. was a long name. Sovereign. Listen, friends. Sovereign. Sovereign. Do you understand? He's already king. He's sovereign of the Vatican City State. This part about made me vomit. Servant of the servants of God. Somebody hold my bucket. My mules can't even handle this. So now all of his titles will be able to be made manifest on the earth in a temple. All this hell, all these birth defects, all the divorce, all the arguing, fussing, murdering, debating, all the killing, all the sin has led up to three and a half years of sitting on a throne. And it becomes Satan's temple. Where? In Jerusalem. And while this is going on on the earth, Jesus is going around with us up in heaven. And we won't look over him and say, Lord, what's what's that worried look on your face? You're you're all stressed out. No, that's what us humans do. He ain't worried about it. He ain't tore up about it. Because he knows the devil's time is short. You imagine what three and a half years is to God. You imagine what three and a half years is to God. So it becomes this place of blasphemy. 
the temple which was dedicated supposedly to God where the animal sacrifices were offered in replacing of the oh my the substitutionary work of our Lord at the cross and the devil anointing them offer a lamb offer a lamb offer a lamb and boy, you can imagine when old Stephen stood up there before the temple that day, before the Sanhedrin, and he said, I want to tell you one thing, God don't live in a house made by hands. Amen. You imagine when Moses and Elijah stand up there, hey, in front of, in front of that new temple and said, God ain't here. That's the devil inside of there. You don't need that. The Lamb of God is the sacrifice. You understand what they'll do? They will kill Moses and Elijah in the same street. That Stephen was killed in. Right in front of the temple. The first Christian martyr was killed telling them God don't live in that house. Moses and Elijah will be killed telling what? The same thing. That's a devil in there. Don't you understand why people hate us whenever we point to the denominations and tell them the same thing? That organization is of the devil. They'd kill us if they could get by with it. Oh my let me read you just a little bit on this. I found this uh, about Arrhenius in history. Arrhenius lived A.D. 120 to 202, about 100 years after the Jewish temple had been destroyed by the Romans. Now, he was a disciple of Polycarp, which was a disciple of John. And Arrhenius, you can read this with me, wrote in his Against Heresy, when this Antichrist shall have devastated all things in this world, he will reign for three years and six months and sit in the temple at Jerusalem. Remember, it had been destroyed for a hundred years. When Arrhenius, the messenger of the second church age, wrote this. It had been destroyed for a hundred years. Glory be to God. Amen. He will sit in the temple at Jerusalem and then the Lord will come from heaven in the clouds and the glory of the Father sending this man. Amen. And then that follow him into the lake of fire. God ain't the smiley God that just kind of smacks the devil on the head and says, well, I can't condemn nobody. I can't condemn nobody. No, God condemns folks to hell and then he'll condemn them to the lake of fire. And let me tell you what's going to happen to this devil. God said, I will destroy you, O covering cherub. He may burn for millions of years. I told you yesterday, I don't, under, I don't understand enough about the devil's punishment to know how it can be. You know, how can it be just? How could it ever be enough to punish a being like this that has caused so much havoc on the earth? But I know it'll be just. He may burn for millions of years or however long it'll be, but when God deems it necessary, God will destroy him. And when there ain't no more devil, you will be. When there ain't no more sickness, you will be. When there ain't no more 
trouble you will be shouting down the streets of gold through eternity. Hallelujah. Why? Because he cannot destroy himself. Notice Arrhenius said, follow him to the lake of fire, but bring ye in for the righteous the times of the kingdom, that is the rest, the hallowed seventh day. So Arrhenius believed in the honeymoon. The hallowed seventh day and restoring to Abraham the promised inheritance and which kingdom, oh my, the Lord declared that many coming from the east and from the west should sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Can you imagine walking down streets of gold as we're singing a while ago and there's Abraham and there's Isaac and there's Jacob and there's Joseph and there's Issachar and there's Naphtali there's Dan, there's Judah all those saints of God that you've read about there's Daniel, Zephaniah, Zechariah Haggai, Malachi, Joel Nahum, all of those saints of God and millions times millions of others that we don't even know their names and we will live with them forever and forever So Arrhenius believed there would be a temple built in the tribulation period and the devil would rule from it. Revelation chapter 11 verse 1 and there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein but the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. The holy city, Jerusalem. How is it holy? Because God said so. It's filth. You imagine the devil sitting right there on the very throne in the middle of it. God said that don't change what I think about Jerusalem. When you were so full of the devil, you couldn't even get along with yourself. God was able to look past what you were and look at what he had in his mind about you and call you a seed. (laughs) I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But initially the earth was placed in her, on her axis and there was 30 days in every month. But something happened after the fall of Adam or after the antediluvian destruction to where the orbit of the earth got slowed down just enough to where that you had 365 and a quarter days to the year. So then some of our months we have 28 or 30 or 31. That's not the way God made it. So apparently some catastrophes are going to happen even before the millennium. 
that will speed the earth up during the tribulation that the calendar will revert back to 30 days again. Get ready, earth. Here we go. You see, no matter if we change it on the calendar, the piece of paper, that ain't what determines it. What was the new moon? From new moon to new moon, it was 30 days. Based upon 30 days. Exactly right. Oh, glory to God. Something had to happen to the earth. The scientists are scared to death of global warming. Oh my, the glaciers are melting. This is happening. That's happening. Let me tell you what I think. Just as an old Kentucky ignoramus preacher, pre-warming for the millennium. <laughs> oh my, that's all the glaciers is going to be gone. I say hallelujah. All the winters is going to be gone. What is it? God's getting the earth in the cycle of the way she was before she fell. Pre-warm up. Brother Tony, what will happen on the Arctic? Oh, I kind of think it'll be okay. Since they drilled down to them core drills that I told you about last weekend and went down at the very bottom of the ocean and then drilled hundreds of feet down from the bottom of the ocean and finding all this plant matter and all of these palm fronds and all these things and the releasing of the carbon dioxide and stuff from the tubes and they pulled it up and they was able to figure that the Arctic's average temperature was 74 degrees. Nice place for a vacation. Remember, many of the people on the earth in the millennium will not be in glorified bodies. They cannot travel like a salt. But they will be required to come up to the house of God in time to worship. Imagine taking a ship. Imagine trying to cross deserts or whatever more. Of course, there won't be no deserts because the mountains will be gone. How in the world would they get from one place to the other if the continents are still separated? Unless, of course, he reverts it back the way it was. You understand Victoria Island on the west coast wasn't always there. The landmass slid from south, way south, thousands of miles. As I told you, friends, I don't just study theology, I study geology, paleontology, all kinds of cosmology, and all types of ologies. And urology, if I need to. Urology. I'm interested in my home. His plans intrigue me. I love thinking about it. I love studying about it. I love talking about it. Now the earth will go through major transformations even during the time of the tribulation before the millennium ever starts. Notice in Revelation 6.12. I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake. 
And the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Where every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. Preparation for the millennium. You do understand that mountains have large impacts on the weather. You know that mountains can create deserts. You didn't know that. Okay. Well, you go look when you study on the Himalayas. And you'll find on the other side of the Himalayas is this desert. Because the height of the Himalayas will not allow the clouds to be able to pass over with the moisture. So on the other side of the Himalayas, the desert is thirsting to death because the height of the mountains. That's not just on the Himalayas, it's on Argentina, Brazil, and different parts of the world. So the height of the mountains can keep off the blessings of God. I've been up a few of them spiritual mountains myself, you know, where you feel like you're climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing, and you get down the other side, and boy, you hit one of them Gobi deserts, and you wish to God you were somewhere where there's some water. What is it? You come off top of that mountain and there it is. So you're the, when the landmass comes in and the mountains are projected up, Mount Everest and the Himalayas, all the great mountains of the earth. Oh no friend, they'll be changed. Why? Because their remaining on the earth would prohibit the whole earth from flourishing. He will bring them down to an acceptable level. Lord have mercy. He will bring them down because his blessing will go from one side of the world to the other. I hope y'all don't think I'm crazy. Notice this is the sixth seal. So the sixth seal opens with a great earthquake. Wonder when the rapture will be, actually. Wonder if the rapture and the sixth seal and many of these things are so tied together and so cloaked together. How is it that there will be hundreds or thousands or whatever people come up missing on the earth and people aren't alarmed by it? What if it's synchronized so right at the very beginning when this seal is opened up with a great earthquake? What if it's the one around the Pacific Rim? Praise be to God. Oh, brother, darn, that scares me. You ain't got nothing to worry about. You're flying, pal. Earthquakes don't affect eagles. We rise above them. We find the heavenly places. Ain't no earthquakes where you're going. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. You know from studying the Pacific and from studying many of the oceanic currents of the earth that many of the islands are nothing but mountains that have belched up from the bottom of the ocean and simply jut out of the top of the water. 
And they go to searching and looking way down and way down. And you know what they find out? They find out that island is nothing but a mountain which goes hundreds and hundreds of feet down into the bottom of the water. Praise the Lord. Now some of y'all will wish you'd have paid more attention in school, don't you? You wish you'd been more interested in stuff instead of recess and lunch. I wish I'd have read that geography book, that mathematics book and all that stuff. I might understand what Brother Donnie's talking about. Now with the removal of these mountains, the earth's weather will enter into a state of tranquility. No hurricanes, no typhoons. The spinning of the earth will come back up to the right speed to where it'll be able to move. Now it's a thousand miles an hour. It would have been faster than that. But now a thousand miles an hour spinning. Can you imagine right here tonight? We are spinning out in the universe at a thousand miles an hour. How are we not all sick? How is the South Pole? Which is being on the bottom, Antarctica. Tell me how all that ice and water is hanging on the bottom of the globe and it don't fall off. Praise God. And then we think we got problems that's too big for him to figure out. The opening of the sixth seal will produce convulsions. And shaking. Now you imagine, friends, there's going to be millions of people on the face of the earth. Now, the majority of the world out here that don't know anything about the Bible, they won't have a clue. But the ones I feel sorry for is the ones who know enough about their Bible and they come thumb over there to Revelation 6. And I say, Lord, have mercy. I've missed it. Dear God. The tribulation period is on. All nature will be interrupted. The sun, the moon, the stars. And the church said, Amen. What? Psalms 46, 6. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. Behold the Lord maketh the earth empty and maketh it waste and turneth it upside down. You imagine it spinning in convulsions. Oh God. And scatter us abroad. The inhabitants thereof. Isaiah 24 2, it shall be as with the people, so with the priests, as with the servants, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourneth. And fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. 
Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broke the everlasting covenant, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. When God will turn loose the ministry of Moses and Elijah and they will interrupt nature. If they want to stop the sun, they stop it. If they want to stop the moon, if they want to call for darkness from 10 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it happens. This is the beginning of sorrows. Isaiah 24, 17, fear and the pit and the snare upon the inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. In other words, no matter where you go, there's no way to get away from it. For from the windows on high are open the foundations of the earth. You say, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. And shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. And it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the hosts of the high ones that are on high. And the kings of the earth upon the earth. They shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit. And they'll be shut up in the prison after many days. And shall be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded. The sun ashamed. When the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. And before his ancients gloriously. Notice Jeremiah 4.23. I beheld the earth. And lo, it was without form. And void. And the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. And I beheld, and lo, there was no man. All the birds of the heavens were fled. And I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. And all the cities thereof are broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by his fierce anger. One of Jeremiah saw something to what the prophet saw. In his seventh vision. Our big tall size skyscrapers of Manhattan. Will wind up being dust and ashes. Our beautiful cities in America and around the world. When God goes to shaking those plates. God so designed the Eurasian plate and the Pacific plate and all the plates of the earth. Different places you can go into in the parts of the earth and actually see the plates as they divide. Places in Canada where you're able to go and then stand and actually touch one continent and touch another continent underwater. Six, seven feet apart, something like that. Because the plates are shifting. God made it that way. That's where earthquakes come from. You imagine when God turns loose his fury. Oh, brother, don't that scares me to death. You ain't got nothing to worry about if you're in him. You ain't going to be here knowing that. If you ain't, you better be scared, friend. I can't preach it scary enough for what's fixing to happen. Oh, but if you're in Christ Jesus, you're going to be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise God. Can I have a few more minutes? Oh, my. For thus saith the Lord, 
The whole land shall be desolate. Yeah, but I'll make not a full end. For this shall the earth mourn. The heavens above shall be black because I have spoken it. I have purposed it and will not repent. Neither will I turn back from it. And the slain of the Lord. Notice this, Jeremiah 25, 33. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dumb upon the ground. The rich, the famous, the pauper, the beggar, they lay side by side. Riddled the earth, wrapped with havoc, shaking and trembling in the earth in her orbit, shaking around like a drunk man. Or she's turning and tossing, getting ready for the honeymoon. Let's stand together. Let's read Joel chapter 2, verse 30. If you stand, I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw the shining. Isaiah 13, 19, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Lord, children, you talking about a time. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Let's resume this on the sixth seal. Revelation 6, verse 15. And the kings of the earth, when the sixth seal is open, the earthquake takes place. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman. Notice John. He's saying it all across the board. The rich, the famous, the important, the nobodies. It don't make no difference then, pal. I don't care if you ain't got a penny in the bank or if you're a millionaire. If you're here when this takes place, it won't matter one bit to you. Every free man, listen to what they did, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Now they're acting like the way they've lived. They've lived like animals. And they're acting like them. They're hiding where animals hide. Isn't it amazing? They still won't call for mercy. God, be merciful. God, please, please help me. You're talking about how hard a human's heart can get. A human's heart can get harder than that piece of oak. You couldn't bend that oak for nothing. It'll break before it'll bend. Many people's hearts are that way. And in the tribulation period, they will be so hard. 
They'll run like animals. They'll leave their Lamborghinis. They'll leave their Corvettes on the side of the road. They won't care nothing about their fine houses, their bank accounts. They'll run scared like animals, begging the rocks to fall on them. I'm glad for myself. I've done ask for the assistance of another rock. Rock of ages. Clear for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Rank and wealth will not deliver anybody. No matter if they're the president, the prime minister, or the pope. And what's God doing? Shaking, shaking the plates, the Eurasian plate, the Pacific plate, the Himalayas, the Appalachians. The mountains are shaking and trembling. Getting it ready for the honeymoon. Praise God. And they said to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. What a peculiar statement. The wrath of a lion, I could understand. The wrath of a tiger. The wrath of a cheetah. The wrath of a leopard. The wrath of a dog. But the wrath of a lamb. You see, this proves to me, my friends, people, there is a side to the Lamb of God that people do not know and don't want to know. But these people apparently were Bible readers, or maybe even some of them was former message followers. And they knew enough about it to say, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. You see, they didn't say there's three thrones. Amen. And from the wrath of the Lamb. Wonder if they sat in a church and heard a preacher preach it, and all of a sudden it comes back. The lamb is meek, tender, gentle, forgiving, merciful. And now they're praying to be hid from his wrath. It's not a passion. It's not human anger. It's a principle. It's a principle. Notice verse 17 and we'll close. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? God is now releasing the judgment that has been held up from the church ages for all these years. Cleansing the earth, starting the purifying process under the sixth seal. Also cleansing the foolish virgin. Right? Page 575, old seal book. Threefold purpose. Cleanse the foolish virgin. Or those that did not hear the message or in some way were blinded by these false prophets, he said. And to cleanse the earth. 
and shake a lot of them high lofty mountains down, down. Bring them down to where the biggest mountain left on the earth in the millennium will be Mount Zion. So while Mount Everest is being shook, all the rest of the mountains on the earth is being shook. And then we see Zechariah 14, 7. Uri stands upon the Mount of Olives and when he does, the mountain cleaves in half. And then he gets some steroids. <laughs> and the mountain starts growing, growing, growing. And it will be the loftiest peak on the entire earth. The mountain of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, O merciful God, while you are a lamb with mercy, we call upon your name tonight, Father. We ask you to forgive us our slothfulness, our laziness as mortals, as humans. Forgive us our errors, our mistakes, Lord God. We're not crying upon the rocks and the mountains to hide us, but we're asking for the blood of Jesus. That's where we want to be hid. We want to be hid too, but behind the blood, hid so far that all God hears is our voice, but He sees the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Hide me, Lord. If there's anything in my life that displeases you, oh, Lamb of God, make it known to me. God, I don't want to be left you on this earth while this leveling is going on. I don't want to be here during this time, Father. I want to be with you and your saints and that great land that's gone to be prepared. Move on to every heart here tonight, Lord. May you search our hearts from the front to the back, upstairs, those that will stream this service, Lord, whoever they are. Father God, help us. If there's anything in our lives that displeases you, help us, Father. May we hear the voice of God as He's speaking to us. Lord, maybe it was just at the meeting where Brother Dale Smith just got back from yesterday. Maybe, Lord, it was the meeting that Brother Wayne Lawson was at, the youth meeting, that he's still there. The last one will come in. Maybe it'll be somebody we'll talk to tomorrow. We don't know, Lord. We want to do, be doing everything we can as your Spirit leads us and directs us to bring the last one in. Help us, Father. And while we're winning others, we want to stay ready and clean ourselves. Help us, blessed God. Lord, there's such a terrible time that lays ahead for this earth. But Father, with the renewing, with the judgment, will come renewing. You told your disciples in the gospel of Matthew, those of you that have been faithful with me in the regeneration, which is the resurrection, we know the earth must be resurrected. Oh God, it will be awful. It'll be worse than it was in the days of the Andalusian destruction because in that day, 
the water came upon the earth and the fountains of the deep broke up and the fountains emptied up out of the great vials of heaven. But Lord, at least the mountains for the most part were still there. By the time this gets done, the mountains will have disappeared. The islands will have fled away. And we will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. Oh, blessed rock of ages, hide us in your mercy. Hallelujah, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We want to be identified in the right temple. The temple of God. We know that Satan cannot build his temple on the earth until the temple of God, the figurative temple of God, the bride, leaves this world. Praise God. And when we're gone up, he will be allowed to build his temple to usher in the destruction necessary for the cleansing of the earth under the opening of the sixth seal. Hide us, O blessed God. Hide us, Lord. Lord, if we're cold tonight, stir us. Shake us, God. If we're complacent, Lord, if things have crept into our lives, if we're indifferent, Lord, whatever we are, search each of us. Begin with me, Lord. Look at every one of us, preachers, deacons, all of us, Father God. Help us, I pray, Lord, to be on fire, Lord. Living in this old cold Laodicean age and we get this old coldness around us. Help us, Father. Help us to be burning with zeal and fire and spiritual stamina like never before. Grant it, I pray, Lord God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Father. Hallelujah. Don't you love him, children? Can we just worship him? Or if you're not where you need to be tonight, you can certainly be when you walk out them doors. Amen. You got something in your life ain't right with God? Make it right. You've got a lamb here tonight. I believe not with wrath in his eyes, but tender mercy and forgiveness and pardon. Praise be to God. If you're under that blood, maybe you just need a refreshing in the Holy Ghost. I believe he's here to do that for, for us as well. You believe that with all your heart. Harry, let's sing that rock of ages, cleft for me. Can we just sing just a little bit before we go? Brother Joel, maybe you can come up and lead us and sing it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, rock of ages, cleft for me.
Jesus, draw me close.
singing God is good all the time. Amen. Good to us tonight. Come back in the morning service at 11. Well, God is good. Yes, He is. He's good all the time. God is good. I know He is. He's good all the time. You can search the whole He's not good just once in a while. He's good all the time. God is good. Yes, He is. He's good all the time. God is good. I know He is. He's good all the time. You can search the whole Bye. 
Once in a while 